The Church Media Podcast, episode 133, Discerning Your Creative Calling with Luke McElroy, part two. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. The show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online now at the Church Media Podcast. Podcast.com. And now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, church media coach, Carl Barnhill. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Carl. If you're just checking us out, welcome aboard. Lots of new listeners joining us lately. We've gotten lots of emails from folks enjoying the show, so really appreciate your feedback. Feel free to email us anytime. Uh, at info at 1230.media. That's all spelled out, the word 12, the word 30, all spelled out, dot media, info at 1230.media. Be sure to uh, give us your feedback today, the good, the bad, uh, the ugly. Let us know anything uh, that uh, that you got, any thoughts. We would love to listen to them. Uh, this week, we'll wrap my discussion with my friend Luke McElroy about discerning your creative calling. Luke's book, Creative Potential, is broken up into two acts. Act one is all about Luke's story and how he found uh, his creative calling, his calling in creative ministry. We'll follow up in a few weeks and have him back to talk about act two of the book. I'm going to be telling him that he's been on the show so much that uh, we're going to start uh, having to put him on on payroll as a co-host. Uh, he's, uh, uh, for real, I know we joke, but the reason that we have him on so much is just because he's a good friend of mine and the content that he's sharing uh, the ministry impact that he's having through Salt Community um, and Orange Thread Media is incredible, and so um, he's just got a lot of great content to share. So, uh, so we have him on a lot. So we'll follow up in a few weeks um, to talk about Act Two of his book. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, you want to be sure to keep a lookout for that and check it out. Uh, that's coming your way in a few weeks. Today on the show, Luke and I continue our chat about wrestling with how to know your call. Hopefully you may find yourself in his story and it will encourage you today. Part two of my chat with Luke is on the other side of this quick break. Check this out. I, Luke, send a message to all those that follow our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a terrible evil in the world. Darkness is spreading. I know you are suffering persecution. Faith is being tested. I know you question the way, but I've come to Rome to find Paul, to write his story, to bring hope, to bring light into this present darkness, and to remind us all how God changed a hateful man who will change the history of the world. Luke, am I dreaming? I'm here. Rome is stained with the blood of our brothers and sisters. This is what trusting God gets you. People are desperate. We're the only light left in this city. I cannot fix their faith. You can inspire their faith. You risk people looking to me before Christ. The day I heard you preach, my God, I saw Christ in you. There are men, women, children that will never meet you. There must be a handwritten account of your acts. What do you really know about these Christians? 
I am concerned with these documents. We've got to get these out of Rome. Do you think that we are plotting an escape? Write another word and I send you to whatever god you want. Luke! We've gathered men to overthrow Rome. To what end? Justice! They want revenge. No! Why not? Love is the only way. When the moment comes, you will have the strength to do what is right. Your people die today. This world doesn't know a thing about love. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Paul, the Apostle of Christ, in theaters March 28th. This is an exclusive interview from the Ministry of 1230 Media. Here is Church Media Coach Carl Barnhill. All right, so fast forward a little bit. Um, you, you realize that God is moving you to this idea of salt and the, the conference for creatives, and not only a conference, but a community for creatives. And you realize that your uh, influence is a, a call to the influencers. Uh, kind of walk me through that and maybe a couple of walls that you hit along the way there. Oh, man, we hit so much. I think that's one of the things that um, I really wanted to make sure I put into this story was that, you know, even when you step, when even when you do sort of have some clarity and maybe you're like me and, and you're journeying down the path, and you're like, nope, that wasn't for me. You know, I spent, I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking right now for some reason that there may be somebody listening going, yeah, I was in the mission field for a year. And I realized that wasn't where God had called me to. And I just had thought it was it, and it wasn't it. And let me, I'm ADHD, by the way. Many people who have ever been near me know this, but I, I just had an ADHD moment. There's, there's a theme in the whole first part of the, the, the book that I talk about, and that is um, the enemy will oftentimes use a good idea to rob us of our God idea. And what I mean by that is that for me, the camp was a good idea. I mean, I had this vision that it was going to change the list, the, the leaders of the Fortune 500 list that the CEOs and the presidents of the next generation, if they were God-fearing men and women, we'd change the nation. That's a great vision. I mean, it's a, it's a very good biblical vision that God would use the cultural leaders and shakers in the, in the world to sort of, you know, revive the land. And, and my camp, if you will, or the camp that I thought I had been, or the camp I had been Photoshopping was going to try and raise those people up. But the enemy was all for me using that quote-unquote good idea and making me think that that's exactly what God had for me so that I never stepped into the God idea, which was a community for those who served in the creative realm of the church. And uh, so anyway, I say that, say, fast forward now, uh, you know, I'd finally realized, sort of had this eye-opening moment of, no, no, God was behind this. And I'm telling you, like, the breath of heaven started coming down on all this stuff, and things started coming together. I mean, the team— that we still have today basically formulated in a matter of a couple of weeks and months. And we started spending a lot of time in prayer and thought and uh, reading scriptures and trying to figure out what were some of the core themes. All this stuff started sort of happening at a fast pace. And I think it would be easy for me to tell this story with this beautiful bow on it, Carl, and yeah. say, oh, when you step into your calling, everything's going to come together perfectly. Yeah. And you're never going to face trials. Because if you already faced trials in the previous calling, then the second calling is just going to be easy. And that was not the case, I mean, as you already alluded to. We hit wall after wall after wall. My, 
Uh, probably my favorite wall story um, is uh, when we found the first location for the, the conference. And I tell this story in the book, and a friend of mine told me the other day that they just died laughing, reading this, and crying all at the same time for me. But we had basically, I'd been attending a church for like 10 years here in Nashville, and in that church, I got to know their creative team, and basically through a series of conversations, they said, hey, we'd love to host this SALT conference that you have on your heart uh, at, at our church. And so we started going through the process, started planning all of our details. Our team had done a number of walkthroughs with the creative department to sort of figure out where are we going to put workshops and what's our main sessions going to look like and how are we going to feed people, all the, all the sort of details that go into planning something as massive as a conference. And um, anyway, everything had, had been good. We, we hired a designer to design us a logo and build us a website. We started contacting speakers. We started getting them on board. I mean, we had the whole thing ready. And I just remember um, having a phone call with the church and, or the, the creative class at the church, and he basically said, hey, let's just have one more meeting. Let's get sort of some final details worked out with the facilities team just to make sure that we aren't going to have any surprises. And then you guys can launch and we go from there. And I thought, well, this is great. We'll just get a signature on a piece of paper to make sure that there's some clarity between all of us. And I go into this meeting and I'm going to, for brevity's sake, sort of give you the cliff notes, but I encourage you to read this in the book. Um, I go into this meeting and within a few minutes, we're basically told that this conference will not happen at this church. And I'm telling you, Carl, everything in me started to boil. And it was a, it was a frustration and an anger, but it, was, it very quickly became a confusion. And in that moment, I remember sitting there thinking, and I, I, I actually had no clue what was happening in the meeting. I sort of had one of these like delusional moments where you're, you're like, wait, that didn't really just happen, right? And you're trying to play it all out in your brain in a matter of milliseconds. And I just remember thinking to myself and having this paralyzing fear of, holy cow, did I get it wrong again? And I remember thinking in my head, no, this is 100% God. I know it because it's been confirmed over and over and over in all these conversations. Every time I had started reading stuff in scripture, it just started popping out that this thing was a God thing. And that's something I'd encourage those who are trying to wrestle with whether or not what they're hearing from God is actually from God. I'd say this, God never contradicts himself. And I can tell you that in my world, I sort of tested this idea of a salt conference or a salt community over and over and over before I knew it was a God thing. So, you know, I left this meeting and I just was like, my team was pretty defeated and I had to sucker up them emotional well-being and whatever to tell my close friends who I'd just spent a year planning this stuff with. Hey, we're back at square one, guys. I had to call a keynote. So I had to call. I mean, we were literally ready to publish everything. And I had to sort of go through this shameful process of saying, hey, it's not going to happen. And that was supposed to be uh, – our whole vision was to have a conference in February of 2013. And uh, obviously we didn't have one in February 2013 for any of those who know our story well. And uh, anyway, God did a miraculous thing that literally is only a God thing to sort of redeem that whole story. But – yeah, you're going to hit walls. I mean, when you step into your calling, like, it's not going to be easy. It doesn't mean that everything's going to open up. And I think in many ways, the sort of reflection I, I brought out of that season was I just remember thinking to myself, maybe God is looking at the angels and he's getting ready to say, hey, watch them tell the enemy that they don't love the thing that they're making more than the maker who made them. And, it, I mean, it was a turning point for our team. And we just said, Lord, we're just going to pray that you're going to give us a building. Like you're literally going to drop it out of thin air. And we don't know how you do that. We don't know what that means, but we know that you took this off the, 
the plate so that we would lean even closer to you and trust you even further. So, you know, that was a, a crazy wall. It's interesting um, hearing you explain all this because uh, I, this book is is extremely powerful, man. Because uh, people f- are going to find themselves, um, especially creatives, church media guys, um, entrepreneurs. Uh, church staff members, <laughs> they're going to find themselves in your story at some point. And your wall stories definitely hit me um, as a point where I could definitely identify. Um, and mm-hmm. I have a very, very similar, um, very similar experiences uh, with 1230 Media that I, I knew it was um, a calling. I knew that God had, had laid that on my heart and wall after wall in the places that I would least expect, like you. Oh, this is a church I've been in for 10 years. You know, it's, it's you know, it, it seems like the doors are opening and it's going to flow well and perfect and da-da, boom, wall. What? Where did that come from? Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I, I experienced the same thing. Um, and, and I think what's really struck me and, and has confused me along the way in my journey a little bit is the walls sometimes come from the places that you least expect. They come from inside church world, which you're like, whoa, where did that come yeah. from in church world? Like, these are believers with me. Like, why why would they not be on board with what I feel like God's called me to do? Um, uh, you know, I just, I've felt uh, and seen personally, experienced personally, walls from inside um, church world, and uh, it, it's it's surprising in a way, but if I take a step back, it is, I mean, if, if the enemy is going to attack and attack your, uh, uh, you know, your calling, attack your vision from the Lord, the best place to do it is with other believers. I mean, totally. I gotta give him credit. That, that I mean, that's where I would go if I'm him. Is is the people that least expect, or the the people that you would think would be 100 percent on board? Um, well, let so, me say this yeah. to that because I want to add to this. I think what I what I have learned, Carl, is that it is going to come from believers. But I think it's it's further than that. I think it's that Satan knows that you stepping into your calling is an act of worship. And I think that you stepping into the thing God purposed for your life, that he has crafted you in your mother's womb so that you would have that giftedness and that ability or whatever, when you step into that, that is an act of worship. I mean, Galatians chapter 5 talks about this idea that, you know, Paul writes that uh, it's it's for freedom that Christ came, right? So that you wouldn't be enslaved, but that you would step into freedom. And uh, when you think about that in terms of your calling in life, then... In many ways, Christ died so that you would do the very thing God designed you to do. But that it does not mean that he would come and die so that you could sort of listen to the lies of the enemy, but that you would actually listen to the voice of God in the process. And even though I feel like I'm about to preach a Casting Crown song right now uh, of the voice of truth, I, I would just say this, that, you know, when you know that you know that you know that God has said this is what I have for you, and this is who I've made you to be, and it's been confirmed over and over and over. I'm going to encourage people to run with the confidence of the cross behind them. Good, man. Because Jesus died so that you could step into your purpose. So no matter where the, the most of no the matter. giftedness that he gave you for kingdom's sake. Yeah. And no matter where the obstacles come from. For you to do anything from. but to listen to the other is for you to basically ignore 
an opportunity to worship with your life. That's good, man. Um, and yeah, I, I, and that's a test of your faith along the way as well, like we were talking about earlier, that in the waiting times it can be a test, but it can also be a test to say, uh, well, these are other believers telling me uh, this or stopping me from this. Is that, God, did I hear you right? Because these are other believers. So that can be a test of your faith as well to say, okay, am I going to be faithful to what God has called me to do? No matter if the obstacle, I mean, yes, you need to be respectful and loving, but no matter where the, the wall's coming from, no matter where the obstacle's coming from. Um, so true, dude. Yeah, that can be a test also. So a, a qu- quick story for me. Um, so when I was leaving to go to uh, start our, our ministry, so, uh, and uh, I, I was at New Spring, so I don't really want to bash the church, but the way I presented my exit from the church is I think that God, I, I, I'm really sure that God is calling me to do this. He's confirmed this along the way. And my my thinking here is to go out like a, like a missionary would. So, you know, I have an exit plan or like a missionary would raise funds and then then leave, um, you know, and, and train their replacement or whatever. So when I pitched it like that to say, hey, um, you know, I think this is how I want to be generous in my way out and whatever, the response I got was, no, nah, I think two weeks is good. What? So, I mean, <laughs> so that was a wall to go, well, I'm, I'm glad that I know that I'm called to do this because this would be super scary. But I think yeah. it's it's in those moments like that too that one, it's a test of your faith. Two, it's kind of a, a almost a reassurance of your call to go. Like for me, it was God going, I, I want you here and I'm gonna use the people in your path to get you here now. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So um man, I, I'm sorry to go off on, on my tangent, but I, I think that Oh, good, uh, you, you know, your story is really going to relate to a lot of people, and a lot of people are going to find themselves going, yep, identify with that. And, man, this is how I wrestled with that and stuff. So, man, your, your story is going to be super powerful to, to many people. Um, Appreciate that. All right, so so let's kind of wrap up this Act 1 of your book. And just so people know, we're going to—you wrote the book in two acts, and it's crafted extremely well, and we're going to— come around act two in a few weeks. So I'm really excited about that, but kind of wrap up act one for us. Why is it important um, to kind of discern your calling? And I think it's a little bit what I just said, not to sort of reiterate too much, but I think that, you know, you were designed with gifts and abilities to, to in many ways step out into culture and, and use how God has designed you to make the most of for the kingdom. And I think that in many ways it's an act of worship to do that. But I also think why this is so important in my life is, and why it's so important to even sound the drum on this stuff is that when you understand your calling in life, you have so much more clarity on the God who called you and that you just step into things and you sort of are able to trust that, you know, when things aren't going the way they think they need to be going, there's a, there's a, there's sort of a, you can go back to it and go, okay, God, well, I've seen you do this, and I've seen you do this, and I've seen you, I mean, not just the how did we find a building for Salt 13, or not just 
when we had Salt 13's building and we learned that there was going to be 200 people and there were only like 60 parking spaces and how we were going to make that work. Or my favorite story that I tell this whole thing is uh, when two minutes before doors were supposed to open, the fire department comes blazing in because we had tripped the fire alarm. I mean, nice. it's just when things go your, a little bit wrong or they sort of go a little bit twisted, the reason that it's so important to know your calling in life, to discern what it is that your purpose is, uh, as you walk through your spiritual journey here on earth, I, I think it, it sort of gives us that confidence and that faith in the, in the thing that God has sort of told us and whispered. But I, I'd go even further than that. And this is where I would go with this. I think the reason that it's so important to sort of know um, your calling in life is, is because you have no clue of the influence that God may be awakening inside of you. Um, and, and a lot of people mistake influence for fame, by the way. And I, I want to be really careful to sort of um, call that out, if you will. Um, just because, you know, Toby Mac plays in front of 20,000 people a night for six months straight on the hit deep tour does not mean that he necessarily has different influence than you have over the intern who's working for you for the summer. Influence, fame is, is the ability to be known, right? But influence is the ability to affect something. And I don't think that that gets measured the same way. And I think that, you know, we read in, we read in Scripture, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is um, Nehemiah. I've talked about that. But, but another character that I absolutely love is Esther, right? And, and you remember that story in Esther 4 where Haman is wanting to kill all of God's chosen people, all the Jews, and Mordecai is just livid. I actually think Scripture says he, like, rips off his clothes and, like, goes bananas, basically. Um, all, that, all that to say, he, Mordecai, realizing that he doesn't have the platform or the opportunity to speak up to Haman about the injustice or to open up a door to unlock someone else's freedom, if you will, um, he doesn't have that. So he goes to Esther. And that famous phrase in Scripture in Esther 4 is, Esther, maybe you are here for such a time as this. Like, maybe you are working for Haman the way that you're working, and it may seem like a low-end job. It may seem like a dead-end trap, but maybe you're there for the exact purpose to unlock the future or the freedom of someone else. And I think about that in, in light of not only our world but in, in the world of Jesus, but I think that, you know, Jesus came to not unlock his own future, but he didn't come to earth so that he could like gain all this wealth and, you know, worldly success. He came to this planet and you know, this Carl, cause we talked a little about this on salt tour this past fall. He came to unlock our future. He came to unlock our potential. And I just wonder if that was really a model for us to sort of realize that part of our purpose and part of our calling in life is going to be not to unlock our future, but to help unlock the future and the freedom of others and help them see that Christ died for them so that they can step into their purpose. And as everyone steps into their purpose, the kingdom of heaven is made visible here on earth. And that's when God gets the glory. <laughs> I mean, it's not a, it's not a more beautiful picture than when it gets to that point. <clears throat> so what if I think I'm in the wrong calling? How do I know or, uh, I mean, obviously there's some uncomfortable or uneasiness maybe, but how do I make the transition from a calling I think I'm in to knowing what God is really calling me to? 
Yeah, I think the first thing I'd say is this. Um, really trust and test that it is God. I think sometimes our own um, sort of feeling of burnout, I think that sometimes can be a bad misleader, that just because we're tired and exhausted in the bad season of life that we're like, oh, I need to be done, right? And that co- sort of causes that inability to be res- resilient, uh, to sort of cause us to jump ship maybe earlier or whatever. But I think we've got to listen into the voice of God rather than the voice of the enemy. Um, my, my, the church I go to now, which is sadly not the same church that I went to when that wall came, and it has nothing to do with that story. It's just God called me into a whole new beautiful community um, that was sort of rising up there in Nashville. But uh, our pastor just a couple of weeks ago taught about how do you hear the voice of or the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. And one of the things that was so bold uh, was that they said, you know, how much are you more in the Word than you are in the world? And as crazy as that sounds, it may sound super cliche and Christianese, but really what my pastor was trying to get at was, do we sort of trust the advice of all the people in our life more than we trust the advice of Scripture? Because sometimes the enemy can use, as you said earlier, all the Christians in our life to sort of lead us astray. Um, so anyway, that's the first thing I'd say is, like, figure out how you have the conference of the cross, right? Like, test it, test it, test it. God will never contradict himself. And so you feel like, man, God's opening up a door, and this is where I'm actually supposed to be, and it's not where I am today. Start reading. Start getting into the Word. Start in the middle of worship. Just ask and pray. I don't know why, but for me, it's in the midst of worship that I feel like God gives me the greatest revelations. I mean, just as I'm sitting in a room worshiping. And so all of that stuff's going to confirm one another. It's never going to contradict. The moment you get one contradiction, okay, that may not be from God. The second thing I'd say after you have the conference of the cross is make sure we, we sort of step out of our previous calling, if you will, or step out of the previous season we're in into our actual calling with as much integrity, respect, and grace as we can. God will never ask you, I don't think, because it's not a part of his character, God will never ask you to sort of chuck away the responsibilities that you have in life so that you can step into a different calling. And that may mean that people are relying on you or you've got commitments, because in many ways those are still opportunities and relationships that you know, God wants you to be known as a person of integrity with. And so sometimes it's easy to say, well, you know, I've been the spearhead for this massive Easter program, and I'm the guy that's got to sort of hold this thing together, but I know that this isn't my calling. It's actually in this, or it's actually in some other area of the church, or it's actually in some other area in in, in life. Um, I would just sort of do an assessment or an audit of going, man, if I leave right now, am I going to leave a whole lot of people high and dry? Because that's not kingdom-minded either. I mean, God God sees everything through the lens of love. And so why would he ever ask you to sort of deny the responsibilities that you have of helping others and, and sort of fulfilling what he had called? In other words, I, I guess I'm saying, like, be faithful to the end and sort of don't burn bridges in the process because at some point those bridges may be the very bridges you have to walk back over. Yeah, that's good. Do I only have one calling in my life or can I have multiple? And I don't know. I, I, I think that you know, one of the things I wrestled with, Carl, in writing this book is I'm only 30 years old, which is obviously when Jesus started his ministry, but I'm not Jesus. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, I actually asked my editor this. Uh, my editor had read it, and I asked, I asked Katie, I said, Katie, is this crazy for a 30-year-old to try and tell this story and expect that someone's going to get something out of it? And she said, your story is your story. Don't 
try and make it more than it is. Don't try and make it less than it is. Let your story speak and see if God's going to come through that. And so I, I've done that. But in many ways, one of the fears that almost prevented me from writing this book, and I know this was not the question you asked, but, uh, and I'm not trying to deflect. I'll get back to it. But uh, one of the fears for me was, am I old enough to be able to speak into this stuff? You know, like at 30 years old, can I really say something that would maybe affect someone who's older than me about their calling in life? Or is someone going to read this and be just envious that a 30-year-old has found their calling in life and started to really sort of walk with stride versus, and the truth is that's me using worldly timing to try and justify a kingdom principle. And I remember handing the book to my dad, um, who is really on sort of like the verge of retirement. I mean, sort of about to enter a second life, if you will, uh, career-wise. And he has just encouraged me so much with what he got out of it. But I'd say all that to say this. The question of can we have multiple callings in life? Um, I haven't necessarily had two callings in life, but I'm not going to say that that means it's not possible. I think in many ways God does stuff in our heart as we grow closer to him and, and certain things begin to shift and mold as we start to go, wait a minute, God, maybe that previous calling was there so that I could unlock some things for some people and I could make the most of my time, but you're calling me into a different season so I can make the most of another season, another time or whatever. Um, I say a lot of that say because, you know, gosh, look at, look at a guy like Louis Giglio, who's a you know, hero of mine in the faith. Um, he ran, you know, the, the passion conference for years and obviously he still does, but he was a label guy. I mean, Really, if it weren't for him, I would argue that, you know, guys like Chris Tomlin and Crowder and Matt Redden, we wouldn't have the anthems we have in the church. And, and in many ways, he sort of started out thinking he was sort of a collegiate ministry guy. And look at what God's done through him. He called him several years ago to plant a church and to become a lead pastor of a, of a tribe of people in Atlanta. And what Passion City Church is doing now is pretty incredible. And, I, you know, so do you have different callings? Probably. I don't know if I have experienced that personally. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say that there are probably separate callings or multiple callings in life to sort of really encourage that person who's going, man, I feel like I was in my calling, but I don't feel like it's still my calling. Yeah, push into that. Press into that because that could be God trying to prepare you for another season or another opportunity for you to grow influence in a different way. This has been an all-access interview from 1230 Media. For more interviews, training, and exclusive content for your production team, visit 1230.media slash training. Hey, church media friends. It's Luke McElroy, author of the new book, Creative Potential. You know, I wrote this book to help everyone discover and unleash their God-given calling by sharing both the story and principles I've uncovered in my personal journey. This book is really for anyone who wonders if they're creative enough or just want to make the most of the gifts that God has given them. To learn more, I'd encourage you to head over to creativepotentialbook.com. That's creativepotentialbook.com. To get Luke's book, Creative Potential, you can visit his website at lukemacelroy.com. And for resources, a transcript, and helpful links to all things Luke, you can visit thechurchmediapodcast.com today and click on episode number 133. This is thechurchmediapodcast.com, episode 133. On the next Church Media Podcast. Next week on the show, we'll start a three-part series 
with SALT speaker and creative team coach, Andrew Johnston. Guys, I was reading Andrew's book to prep for our time together, and I wanted to tweet like every other sentence. It was incredible. We have really similar passions for leading and motivating creative teams. We're going to be doing a really deep dive into Andrew's book, Fired Up, Kindling and Keeping the Spark in Creative Teams. You want to definitely start with part one next week as it's going to give you a foundation for what we'll be fleshing out over the course of our time with Andrew. Don't miss it. I want to thank our amazing producer, the legend that is David Michael Hyde. His website is davidmichaelhyde.com. If you have any audio need for your church, you need a, uh, a piece of music written, a, an audio uh, a piece of audio edited or put together, audio for your video content, anything mastered on the audio side, music-wise, this is the guy to get. davidmichaelhyde.com is his website. Thank you for listening this week. Go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your team, visit thechurchmediapodcast.com. We'll catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast. 